Good day, Matt. How are you, Dave? Uh, so, I mean, debate. There was a debate last there night. There was a debate. It happened. I Wednesday. watched it. Can I tell you a quick theory that I have? Please. Um, you know how, like, Mayor Pete is getting all, it's getting all, like, it's getting all punchy? Yeah. You know what I mean? He's getting, like, he's getting frisky. Yeah, he's, he's, he's stepping out a little bit. I think that what is being orchestrated right now mm-hmm. is, um, you remember Glee? The show? Yeah. Sure. Sometimes on Glee, this is a big Ryan Murphy thing, but mm-hmm. sometimes on Glee, at the beginning of an episode, two characters who you've never seen together, like let's say the one that I remember is Mercedes and Santana, uh-huh. would start an episode and one would be like, you and I have always been enemies. And you're like, I've truly never seen them in an episode <laughs> together. They've never been in the same frame ever. Right. But Ryan Murphy is telling you that so that they can sing, you know, I am... I am better because of you from Wicked or whatever yes, yes. at the end. Uh-huh. It's just racing to that moment and he's reverse engineering things to get to that moment. Right. Creating a conflict real quick so that we real can do it. So uh-huh. we get that big moment. That's what I think is happening. I think the two of them are going to duet before this thing is all said and done. Are you talking about Pete and Warren? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. I think I think we're some I, I I honestly think that this is all orchestrated so that they can bring the two ends of the party together symbolically. Uh-huh. And then do a number from Wicked, and then and run then as a he ticket. can be her VP. Yeah, wow, that's what that's I think is a going great on, theory. Yeah, and I guess I guess part of that agreement is like, look, I am going to have to come out a little They'll strong. Punch you I'm going to have to, you know, you're the yeah. front runner, and I would look weak if I didn't come after you a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's what he's doing. There's, there's, there's things are being cooked up. God, what I feel a great like. theory. I would, I would love for it to be true. I would also love to just have a president who doesn't sound like a six-year-old who just saw an action movie and is pretending to be all of the characters because that's what we have right now and it's driving me crazy. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. It's scary to imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's scary to get your hopes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, I'm doing something really dumb next weekend. Talk to me. Okay. Probably, well, yeah, fuck it. They're not listening. Um, So... The uh, Michael Sebastian, new editor in chief at Esquire, got an invitation, um, which comes to media types frequently. These kinds of opportunities uh-huh. do arise. This particular one was come to the opening weekend of the uh, the new Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Oh, yeah. outside of Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. A lot of athletes and A-list celebrities will be there. There will be gambling lessons. Oh. And, uh, and the, the, the apex of opening weekend, a live concert by Maroon 5. Oh. Um, which sounds like just heteroculture to an uh, uncomfortable yeah, A sketch level. about, yes. you know, basic heteroculture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Michael sent it to me and was like, you ought to go. And I was like, but. Okay, because things like this, they fly you down and they put you up and like you have to – what you have to say is that you will consider covering it. That's it. You're not obligated to, but you will consider Not obligated to. Okay. And it's possible that like an Instagram post will check that box. Amazing. So I'm going to go. You got to. I'm going into the belly of the beast, man. Uh, I literally do a Maroon 5 concert. I have to confess something. I have seen Maroon 5 in concert. Is that true? I really enjoyed it. In what year? Er, early. That's okay. Actually, like- uh, That's important. That's yeah, an important distinction. 
one of their first albums uh, in the like mid aughts when they were a yeah. little bit more of a just an L.A. band. Yes. Yeah. He was not hosting The Voice or sure. do any, the judging the, any of that shit. Yeah. Um, and I was with, I had a friend who had once, I guess, hooked up with him and she was like desperate to reconnect, but of they course. had like blown up significantly since she'd last seen him. Oh boy. And so she, we were at the House of Blues on Sunset and she kept like trying to weave her way closer to the front of the crowd and like dance sexy and hope for eye contact. Oh, Cause she was, God. she basically like came to this concert with us with the promise of like, I'm going to reconnect with Adam and we're going to get invited to the after party. It's oh, all going to happen. Oh man. And we're just on the balcony watching this girl try to like, you didn't cast. stay with her. No, no, no. She was like, bye guys. I got to make this happen. We were like, go with God. We'll sense. see you at the after party. Like we know Obviously. we're all going to be hanging room five. I'm coming up with and just from the, from the balcony to look down and just watch her like you know try to cast a spell on him from the stage when he's not seeing her he's not aware of her oh. don't know that he would remember if oh. it's really really tough wow to see someone like that wow um and we did not make it to the app we did not but oh, that's a tough one now's your chance so what what was your next interaction with that woman like Never saw her again. Really? Yeah. Never really? saw her again. She was like my boyfriend at the Times coworker. Yeah. So it was sort of, it was like a fringe. Friend. Oh boy. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. I too have actually seen Maroon 5 Live. Oh, and? Um, this, the, here, this is one of my more LA stories ever. I had just I moved here. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I'm friends with, do you remember the band Dog's Eye View? Uh, vaguely. Everything Falls Apart. It was their big song in like okay. 1995. So that guy was playing at the Viper Room. Oh, wow. And, uh, and his opening act was a band that had been called Kara's Flowers like yes. a week before. And they just changed their name to Maroon 5. And and they they were the opening act. And it was at the fucking Viper Room. And in front of the – and they came on and they were really great. I mean there was a moment where they were legitimately yeah. a great band. And uh, – and Adam Levine came out and he had not had any tattoos yet. Mm -hmm. He was very young and handsome. And he had like a kind of a threadbare Michael Jackson thriller t-shirt on. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they they were fucking fantastic. And in front of me, Moon Zappa wow. was there. Um, and she turned around to me and traced a question mark in the air and then pointed at the stage like that. Like, what are we seeing? Th these guys are going to be huge. And then like six months later, they were. Wow. Yeah. And then they became what I call Satan's girlfriend's ringtone. Like just tinny <laughs> and shitty and it won't leave your brain. Yeah. That moves like Jagger song is uh, unforgivable. Unforgivable. But Who I'm not only going to see them. We would talk this much about Maroon 5 on our show. It's about time. I'm not only going to see them. I'm going to see them in fucking Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And you're going to consider coverage. Could consider this podcast coverage. intro be considered your coverage? It might be. Maybe we'll do a recap when you're back. Oh, we. And there's your coverage. Sure will. We sure will. Uh, Very excited. Did, uh, did they drop any other names of who's who's going to be there? Nope. Nope. They were like, you want to be sure and get there to do the red carpet? And I was like, I'm not going to do the red carpet. And they're like, all right. <laughs> like, it's crazy. They just will send you. They'll just send you down. They wow. just have, they have like they have boxes they have to check off and uh, and I'm one so oh, please keep us posted I cannot wait they're, I will say they're flying me home Sunday at six a.m. Ooh so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some I'm gonna have to do something about that 
Oof, you're going to have to stay up all night partying with Maroon 5. That's probably what's going to happen. I think that's what they're expecting. Speaking of partying all night long. Yes, Matt? I don't know that this has has anything to do with our guest, but... Oh, it does. Our guest is a party, someone I would love to party with. Absolutely. This is writer and performer Shantira Jackson. She is such a joy. She uh, is hilarious, and uh, she wrote for Busy Tonight and Mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff. And uh, we had so much fun talking to her. Yeah. And you're going to have so much fun listening to her. Enjoy yourself. We are back. Hi. Tara Jackson, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. You were saying that you're in the process of moving? Yeah, we moved, but it's the second part of moving, which is the unpacking all of the boxes. Yeah. Which is uh, someone else, uh, for the first time in my life, I, I like paid for movers. Mm. Uh, so that was nice so to get home and to like have the couch there. What a treat. Yeah. But now everything I've owned that is not a couch must be unpacked. <laughs> so yeah. we're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Where'd you move? Uh, we used to live in Hollywood, which was too loud. Yeah. So now we live in North Hollywood, which is not loud and has parking for people to visit. So I love it. I love to see it. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. It's like people would come over and then I'll be like, where are you? And they'd be like, I'm looking for a place to park. But now it's just come mm-hmm. come through. Hollywood is an actual nightmare. It really is. It's pretty wild. I only want to be there like for like two hours during the day. When you're trying to sleep like a grown up, it's not the best place. Can't do it. No. To do it. I I'm lived across the street from a liquor store that occasionally had those like trolleys that Yes. The open trolleys uh-huh. were like bachelorette where like and you cycle right. and stuff like that. Oh my God. And they would stop at the liquor store that was like across the street from my, like literally my apartment. Oof. And then you could just like open the window and look out and see like 12 people just being like, oh my God. And I'd Stacey! Like, go to Stacey! bed, please. Stacey! For the love of God, please yeah. go to bed. Yeah. So, Awful. Yeah. Not anymore. Awful. <laughs> Awful, awful. So I'm we're so really sorry. excited. That is not to happening like, in North Hollywood. No, it's chill. It's so chill. Yeah. <laughs> You've earned it. You've earned it. Thank you so much. You've I feel this like next I have. Stage. Has, uh, is the TV unpacked? Uh, the TV is unpacked, but not plugged in. Mm. We're going to get it home. These are early stages. Yeah. So like, I like had it. I always like get a task master. Is that what it's called? Ta- task grab it. Task grab it. Yeah. yeah. Grab it. And like, I have this really, the same one I use. His name's Mohammed. He's bomb. Mm-hmm. He comes, been to my house like three times. I love him. He takes his shoes off when he comes in. He puts his headphones in and then he does his thing. And then he leaves my house. Uh, five out of five, 10 out of 10, whatever they rate him. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> so, so Muhammad needs to come and hang up the, the TV. The TV. He's going to hang up the TV this weekend. I'm going to call him. He's the best. <laughs> when oh, when the TV's hung up, what's the first thing you're going to dive um, back into? The Good Place comes back. I'm going to watch the fourth season of The Good Place. I don't watch a ton of TV. I watch like all the planet stuff, like Blue Planet, or Green mm. Planet, or Planet Earth, anything that's like the Earth. Yeah. Uh, and then my favorite thing in the world, no one has ever heard of, is called Airplane Repo. <laughs> Airplane Repo? Airplane Repo. Please is, explain it's all, like the all of it. only reality television I watch. Uh, I went home last year to Florida. I'm from Florida. And um, it's on Discovery Network, like one of those. My grandma has like a thousand different channels. And it is 
perfect. It's exactly what it sounds like. It is people repossessing people's luxury goods. So jets, yachts, Ferraris, tour buses, all oh, of that stuff. And surely a yacht owner will just take it in stride. Oh my God. It is huh. the most beautiful thing in the world because it's a job that only like an old white man can do mm-hmm. because you have to walk on to like private airports yeah. and like basically steal planes. So they'll just walk on and be like, I'm a, I'm a plane aficionado. I love this plane. What year is it? And then somebody will be like, oh, let me show you, dude. And he'll just like walk up to the plane. He'll be like, can I get in it? And they'll be like, yeah, man, get in, get in my plane. And then he'll be like, oh, I love it. I love it. Will you go uh, get my phone so I can take a picture? And then that guy will be like, yeah, absolutely. And he just take his fucking plane. <laughs> How do you physically take the? It's not like you can, you can't put a boot on the tires. No, you I mean, just you, you fly it just, away. They're ex pilots. Oh, they actually get in and physically and fly take the planes the plane? away. Yeah, it's so cool to watch wow. someone who somehow was able to get a million dollar plane with no money, and then just watch somebody take it back. It's the most satisfying thing in Ooh, the wee. world. <laughs> Man, I sort of want that job. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. And then like cops show up all the time because people will call and be like, somebody's trying to steal my plane. You really literally just have to be like an old white dude. Sure. Like my black ass can't just walk up and take your plane and have cops show up. But these old dudes, they're like 65, look like somebody's great uncle. <laughs> they just like take a bunch of planes. It's the coolest. I love it. I love it. Doing some very smooth Leonardo DiCaprio catch me if you can kind of Jedi shit to get themselves in. The people who are like trying to get their planes, like to keep them without paying for them, they do all kinds of stuff. They like take the engines out and take the engines apart and then put the parts all over the hangar so that because they know the bank's trying to repossess the the planes and stuff. Mm -hmm. So these old dudes, they have like years of experience. They'll like get there and then he'll be like, Ah, oh, this some bitch took it apart, and he'll just like sit down on a stool and rebuild a plane engine, put it back in the plane, and then fly it away. How do I not know about this show? Man? Nobody knows about it. It's I'm my stunned. favorite show. It's so satisfying. <laughs> There's like 40 episodes. Wow. Because <laughs> these are the people you, who you want to see brought up. Yeah. Yes. You know, because there's a there's like a show that used to be on when they like repossess just like regular people's like Toyotas, and they yeah. used to like make me so sad because yeah, like that's a bummer. I get it. <laughs> I used to do improv and work three jobs. I get it's hard to pay for like a SUV or any kind of yeah, car. Anything. Sure. But like there are planes on there that'll be like, this plane costs $2.4 million. They haven't paid the bill in like seven months. Ugh. And they've been flying it all over the country and like giving different flight plans, yeah. lying about it. They'll be like, oh, I'm taking the plane to Jacksonville. And then they'll like fly to North Carolina. See, this is what I need. This is the twist on cops that I need. Yeah, That's I love it. Right. I just, you love every, to see it. You do love to see it. <laughs> I will occasionally turn on cops when there's a marathon, which there's always a marathon yeah. on some channel. And it's only recently have I noticed the classism issues. It's really on that sad. Show. It is so oh, sad. It this show is so satisfying. It's just like people who who are wealthy, but like as my granny would say, like a little too big for their britches. Yeah. Like got a little bit of money and they're like, I'm going to buy a plane. It's like, you ain't got no money for a plane, my dude. Mm-hmm. And then like, they'll hide it. This one guy got a helicopter and he would like fly it to the top of this hill on his property and everybody had to like hike up a hill to steal this helicopter. It's great. Truly. Even just watch the clips on YouTube. It's so good. So satisfying. <laughs> when you were, what, what were the three jobs you were working when you were doing improv? Um, it, it like switched around. So at one point in time, I was a, um, a tour guide at the Museum of Science and Industry. Nice. I worked at Apple 
I was mm-hmm. like a specialist. I like sold computers. And then I worked in the box office at IO at Improv Olympic in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I did all three of those jobs at once. And then like sometimes stuff like shifted. Like I stopped working at the Museum of Science and this Industry and then I like worked at the this place called the Harris Theater and I would like seat people. Yeah. <laughs> and then I quit that job and I worked at, overnight at a hotel. I did like a bunch of jobs where I could like like rotating. I could I would like somehow be able to finagle like 35 or 40 hours a week by like going there like 10 or 15 hours a week and then like being able to do as many shows as possible at night. Wow. That's what I did. And then did you do IO out here? No, because I wasn't here. I like moved here last year, but I had flown out here and done shows there before. It's also really close to where I used to live. So like... I was like so sad. Also, when it closed, I was sad because I like was already like in it. Yeah, like I could have just moved here and like started playing, which oh, I was yeah. like, oh, I did the work. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I played at um the IO IO West um a couple times before it ended up closing. That I mean, that whole community has just been scattered to the winds. I know it really it sucks. I mean, I, I don't improvise as much as I used to because I am exhausted. <laughs> but I do like music improv every once in a while, like one show a month satisfies me. When I was like in my 20s, I was doing like 10 or 12 shows a week. Mm, so yeah. I'm good. That's yeah, a young person's you've done it. game. Yeah, when you're like 22, you're like I'll sleep for 5 hours, I'll do 6 shows, but now I'm like I'll do one show on the third Thursday of October. Totally. Totally. <laughs> and it's like, and that's, it that's it. That's and then it. And I'm back in North Hollywood. Yeah. yeah gotta go to bed. 9 p.m. Oh my God. I go to bed at 10 o'clock. I can't believe I used to do shows that started at 1130. <laughs> Re- like on the regular, I would do midnight shows. Yeah. And love it for four 30s. people. We'd love it. We'd love to do it. Yeah. Would be honored to do a midnight show for the four other people who are also on the lineup for this yeah. midnight show, yeah, 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 would kill for the kill for the experience. I feel wild that we're doing a podcast at five p.m. I know, honestly, Already. it's okay. It's I have anything else to do. I appreciate you filling my time. Yeah, <laughs> I know, lo- I love it. Thank I'm just saying, this is this for me is an evening event. Yes, yeah, truly. You know? Do you remember the first like improvisers that you saw? Oh yeah, for sure. Improvisers. Some of them are famous now. Um, I saw A.D. Bryant do this show called Baby Wants Candy. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. I know it's like in the, on the coast for sure, but it's this music improv show. And yeah. I remember her, she's only like, she might be two years younger than me or two years older than me. I don't know. It's all a construct now, you know? Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing her and being like, that's amazing. And then uh, my friend now, I think improv and just comedy in general is like, before even people get famous, the best part about it is like your heroes become like your like, like your playmates, like yeah. the people you play with, it's like so much quicker than any other field, I think. Like you could just love somebody and then one day you're on a lineup with them. I think it's so cool. So like my friends now, but Christina Anthony, I don't know if any of you guys know her, but she just got hired to play um, one of the aunts on Mixed Dish. Oh, uh, yes. So uh, Christina Anthony, I literally like all of it started because I saw her do um, a show at the Second City. Mm. And like I was there in Chicago, which is like so funny. It's so segregated. <laughs> uh, and I was there watching improv and she was the only black woman I saw. And I saw like 20 shows. She like changed my whole life. I had never seen a black woman do anything like that. And I was like, I'm not going to get a master's degree. I'm coming to Chicago. I'm going to go do that. So Christina Anthony, uh, A.D. Bryant really fucked up my world. Um, Sam Richardson, too. Yes. Such a genius. And Tim Robinson. I saw them in the same show. 
Jesus. And Lord. I was like, what is it? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> How do you do it? How do I get to do it? Yeah. Um, and then they all got famous and I was like, oh my gosh, I have taste. Sure. Um, <laughs> the taste I have. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to see uh, Second City in, I guess, 1986, 87, yeah. something like that. And the cast was Bonnie Hunt. Mm. Uh, Who used to work in the Meadows. box office. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Myers did his first show the night that we were there. Yeah. It was like crazy. Yeah. And I did the same thing. I went up to the piano player and I was like, how do, I was 15. How, how do I do this? How do you do I it? I do this. Cause I, I didn't know what it was. Cause like the only improv I'd ever seen was whose line is it anyway. And they don't like tell you it's improv. It's like a trick. Right. Like I was just like 15 on the floor at my grandma's house watching Who's Lying Anyway and being like, this is fun. And it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, that was just like a whole improv show. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I didn't know that I like enjoyed it until I like actually moved to Chicago and learned all the different forms and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I saw a show and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I got to get out of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> and what were you doing in Florida? You said you were thinking about getting your master's, but then yeah, you changed tracks. I was, uh, I went to, I went to J school. I was, I had just graduated with my bachelor's degree in communication. So I was working at a news station and I wanted to be a newscaster. So um, I had been working at a news station for like two years and it just like, wasn't hitting it. I like didn't love it. I knew I wanted to work in TV. I knew I wanted to like, Right, I knew I wanted to be a storyteller and a uh, storyteller, and there was like no, how do you get on TV? Like, yeah, it's really not a thing that I knew how to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have any family in the industry. Like, my dad's a carpenter, my mom's a CNA. Like, there is no one in my family that does that, and I was always pretty funny. So, like, where do you put that energy? I didn't know that. TV could be a job. The only thing that I knew that you could do in TV from just like going to school was to like be on a news station. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. And I was there working and I was like, okay, so like, I don't want to do this. So I just started Googling everybody that I like really liked, all the comedians I loved. And they either just stand up and I like truly wasn't in a place to get up on a stage by myself and do that. Like I was like a baby and never performed and done anything. The closest thing to that was like an Easter speech on a like Sunday. And I was like eight. Um, and then like everybody had done like the Groundlings or Second City. And I had one aunt who lived in a suburb in Chicago. And I was like, well, if it all burns, like if I fail, I could always just like go spend a night in the suburbs. I had no one in L.A. So that's I I moved to Chicago for that because I didn't want to go get a a master's degree in communication. (laughs) It was just like something for me to do. Getting a master's degree was for me was for me to like be able to tell people I was doing something when I had no idea what I was doing. And then everybody be like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Like Uh nobody like bugs you if you're like still in school. Right. They're like, that's a thing. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. sure. Get your master's degree. So what comedy do you watch now? What television comedy oh, uh, can you I, handle? I, I watch The Good Place. I love it. I watch uh, reruns of Parks and Recreation, just like a lot of Mike Schur. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. All the Mike Schur shows. Um, Black Lady Sketch Show, which is like so cool because like um, my, they're my peers. They're my friends. And it was like really cool to watch my friends be on a show and to do a show that was so like – it's called a black lady sketch show. And as a black lady from Florida, I didn't know that we could have a whole show to ourselves. I barely knew we could have like a guest role Mm -hmm. on like a sitcom. So like 
I sit and like watch all the episodes and be like, damn, that's so cool. Like, how can you be so proud of like your friends? That's why I like love comedy. I was yeah. like, did you see it? Did you see all my friends? The basic bitch ball oh, sketch. Is Honestly, truly. One of the funniest things ever. I love it. I'm the most basic when it comes to so many things. Truly, I love it. I loved it. Oh, God. Ashley Nicole Black is a goddamn genius. Yeah, she really is great. <laughs> She's a genius. And you can tell they're having fun. It's the best. You know, it's I, just, it's loose and it's, it's. Well, everything that I like watch or even when I came up watching like live shows, it's like the people who are having the most fun together. It wasn't even like, oh, I want to be able to do the comedy like them. You're like, oh, I want to have as much fun on stage yeah. as they are. And like in a show, you know, they like each other. You know, they love each other. You know, they have the most fun in the writer's room. I don't think people really think about like a writer's room being the most fun. But every time I saw something, I was like, damn, I bet that was fun to write. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun to like bring in and be like, I got this pitch yeah and to have a room full of people who understand all your references mm -hmm. and then just like go to town yeah you know that the basic bitch ball felt very much like an improv game yeah mm -hmm. you know it was just like, like everybody was... comes out with a character yeah and we'd see mm -hmm. what sticks mm -hmm. and then we like we write it into a sketch yeah truly that's how we did it at second city <laughs> she is giving you a full nap oh yeah <laughs> <It is laughs> so i love it so love a it. lot so and a then lot. what was the impetus to move to la the impetus to move to L.A., I always wanted to, uh, but I got a job in New York first. But then I moved out here because I started writing for Busy Tonight on E! And I was like, yes, moving with a job? Thank you. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> it's the way you want to do yeah. it. Most people can't. I got really fortunate, and uh, I had a job, and I moved out here to do to, to write for that show. And Busy Phillips is the best. Yeah. yeah. Top 10 white woman. I always tell her. I was and like, you're yeah, my top 10. She's always like, which one? I'm like, I can't never tell you. No, of course <laughs> guessing. And it's subject to change. <laughs> yeah. Plus you got to work with Casey St. On. Oh, yeah. One right? of the greats. Also, the great thing about that was like, it was so many women in the room. It's just like, it's cool. You don't really get this. Our staff was like 90%. There was like two dudes on staff and yeah. they were in their own office. <laughs> That was a great show. Thank yeah. you. I really am proud of it. And I, I like think that people should go watch it. We did some really cool stuff. And Busy wasn't afraid to like use her beautiful, rich, doesn't have to say anything to be okay, white woman privilege, to say some really important things. So like I'm really proud of what we did. And I'll always be proud of her for like not sitting in the wings and just doing fluff. Yeah. yeah. But it must have been a heartbreak when it yeah, wasn't. It was that. really sad when we were canceled. Um, but, like, also, I, like, am dead inside in that way when it comes to TV. Like, mm -hmm. nothing's real until the contract's signed and the money's in the bank. So, yeah. so, like, I, like, not in, like, a mourning kind of way, but just, like, uh, did we get picked up? Well, I'm going to, like, set myself up. But it was really sad because we're also all friends. Yeah. Like, Busy is my friend. Like everybody who the researchers are my friend. The writing assistant is my friend. Like I was, I went over to the writing assistant's house yesterday to watch the Emmys. I went to a concert with Busy last Saturday. Like the beauty of that show is that I think we'll all work together again. Mm -hmm. But also, it was like it's some of the greatest friendships I'll ever have came from that show, which is like really cool. Being dead inside is such a such a good policy. Oh, yeah, I am business. dead as hell. You're doing so all the dead. things right. You moved here with a job and you're already dead inside. I was like, dead inside before fine. I got here. Yeah, I always say set. I welcome the sweet release of death. Please take us out. <laughs> take us out. Take us out. <laughs> I mean, talk about a nap. That is the ultimate nap. Oh my gosh, yeah. please. Yes. I, loved, I would love it. <laughs>
I'm not afraid. <laughs> well, we're going to take a break. Yes. Okay. We're, we're going to stay awake, yep. but we're okay. going to take a break. All right. And we'll be right back. We're back. Yay. Welcome back. We we're all still alive. Uh, well, okay. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> No, uh, here's hoping. So, I don't want to go by myself, though. I want us all to go. I'm talking like a big meteor. I'm not yeah. just trying to go to, like, die in my sleep and then everybody just keep going. I want to take it all out. Take yeah. us all out. <laughs> I think you'll have your wish one of I mean, these days. Yeah, I'm feeling like an all or nothing kind of sweet release of death. That's yeah. my vibe. I think the giant <laughs> meteor has been inside of us all along. Oh, you know God. what I mean? Yeah. Like, we're doing it to ourselves. Truly. The giant meteor really was the friends we made along the way. Like, Honestly. We're, we're fucking ourselves up in oh, the yeah. worst possible way. It will lead to almost immediate human extension. I always think about like Mother Earth. People are like, we got to save her. And I'm like, nah, homie, we got to save ourselves. She don't save herself. We don't have to worry. She'll get rid of us. (laughs) She's trying to shake us off right now. Yeah, she's been trying to ditch this for a hot minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, She's mad props to Mother Earth. some transformation. She's like, but... you don't treat me well, get the fuck out of my house. Yeah. So, hopefully we can change this around, start the relationship over. <laughs> Speaking of relationships. Yeah. You mentioned a we. Yeah. A we. Together as a we. Yeah. Who's the other half of this we? Uh, my girlfriend. She's so nice. Uh, <laughs> that's the other half that's of the good. we. I love it. A very nice lady. (laughs) Now, are you just now moving in together or was she with you in Hollywood? Uh, We we are now just moving in together. Ooh, that's just big. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because like we were like, if it doesn't work out, we'll just move out. I think that people like, I love her so much, but we were like, I think people get like really like worried about moving in with your like your SO. And I'm like, people move in with strangers all the time off Craigslist and nobody's like, well, and you're like, if it doesn't right. work out, you move out. So we were like, we love each other, but like, if we break up, we'll move out. <laughs> That's pretty good I mean, attitude. Yeah. I mean, there is a layer of difficulty there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I don't think we're going to break up. I love her. She's the best. <laughs> How long has it been? Yeah. Um, almost a year. We like moved in because it's also like we were together. We were at each other's houses all the time anyway. It was like four out of seven times a week. Might as well take it above average and just yeah. make it the whole seven. Sure. <laughs> Good thinking. Very strategic. It probably would have been more nights, but you lived in Hollywood, and half the time she was like, I can't park. I'm going home. Uh, her Bye. trying to park was annoying, but we it was so funny because we met online. We met on Hinge, and mm. my favorite thing is that she lives lived like a 10-minute drive away from me, but we were like 10 minutes away from each other, uh, and we were like, how because you can set the boundaries for how many miles you want and my boundaries were like 10 miles so mm. like it had to be <laughs> like wow she was like if you like lived in culver city like i would not come to see you and i was like honestly i feel it like the traffic's too bad to sit in two hours sit, oh. for, sit for two hours to get culver to, like, city is its own yeah yeah e- ecosystem truly so we live so close to each other it was like oh this is great <laughs> I'm so happy we like each other. This is convenient too. That's a good move. Yeah. And what was the first hinge conversation? Um, How did you hook her or, or she hook you? She has a bunny. Oh. Truly. And I was like, is that your rabbit? <laughs> like, even if she like didn't want to date me, I was like, you got a rabbit? Uh, she was like, yeah. And I just thought that was fun. And then we just like hit it off. One of the things that like, 
this like sounds so LA, but we're like both really into poetry. And she was like, do you want to go see this poet? And I was like, oh yeah, I've heard of her before. I'm not like super fan, but like I'm familiar with her work. One of my favorite books in the whole world is this book called Salt by Nayira Waid. It's like this really great book of poetry. And she was like, oh, that's my favorite book. And I was like, word, I have like a bunch of um, quotes on my wall. And she was like, I do too. And I was like, oh, shit. And then she was like, it gets a little bit better. She was like, yeah, someone gave me that book. So I give it away all the time. I have extra copies at my house. And I was like, I have six copies on my bookshelf. I literally give it to everyone. And we were like, oh, wow. So like, even if this doesn't work out, we're going to be friends, right? For sure. Yeah, so it's like really cool. It worked out, but truly, like no one has ever heard of that book. Really, it's not like The Catcher in the Rye, which would yeah, never be yeah. my favorite. But I digress. <laughs> so it was like, oh man, no matter what, I felt like we would always have like a really special relationship, and it worked out. It's pretty cool. So what was the first date? We uh, we went to this place called the Pikey, um, yeah. and then I'm a fan. she was like, "Let's go get oysters," and I was like, "Okay." And then they like don't sell oysters anymore. <laughs> and she was like, "I didn't, I didn't check." And we just like stayed there like all night until it closed, talking. And then that next week we went to that that poet. Nice. Um, and we've been together ever since. Wow, I love that, and I love that you live in an LA where it's so LA to go see poetry. Because that doesn't sound very LA to me. No. Oh, great. I wish I lived in that city. I didn't know. I'm still getting acclimated. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I, I wish uh, I wish I did do more. I know. I'd like to be invited to a poetry reading, somebody. Okay, I'll okay, invite Shantira? you. Yeah. yeah. I'll take you to all the good, fun, queer ones. Great. Great. Count me in. All the better. Uh, so what was your dating experience like before this current girlfriend? Not really. I like have, I didn't date too much in Chicago or I didn't date too much in Chicago because I was like selfish yeah. and I knew that I would choose any job, any gig, any show over another person <laughs> fully. And I think that a lot of people are like that when they first start in this industry, but they like lie and they're like, I'll put you first too. Or like you're equal. But I was like, no, I'll go do a midnight set over staying at your house in any second. Truly. I would do whatever it takes for me to accomplish the goals that I came here for. So like, that's not great date fodder. (laughs) And then I moved to New York and I was depressed and I hated it. So (laughs) that's also not great dating fodder. So like I went on a couple of dates, but nothing really stuck. And I feel like that happens a lot. And then I moved here and then like, I was like happy, well hydrated, had a job. Let's date baby. Uh, And it worked out. (laughs) So what, like, what was your social life like in Chicago? Was it just uh, fully around shows? Um, it really was a lot of that. It was so funny. My entire like social groupings were um, all the friends I made working at Banana Republic. Ooh. The first year I moved there, it was like all of us were twenty one, twenty two, and this was like two thousand nine. So like none of us could get jobs in Mm -hmm. our field because of the recession so it's just like a bunch of people with like master's degrees just like folding chinos just waiting for the opportunity to like maybe be able to pay off all our debt so those were my like my first core group of friends and then when I started taking classes after working a couple months at Banana to save money I um all my friends became like comedy people and they're still my friends to this day it's like 
Uh, anytime I have a show I'll, in Chicago, most of my friends from Banana still live there because they didn't move to L.A. for like work. But the whole time I was in Chicago, they would come to uh, my shows and they called them uh, recitals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friend Trish was like, um, did you take classes to learn this stuff? And I was like, yeah. She was like, um, is there a set date and time where you can invite your friends and family to come see all the things you've learned? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, it sounds like a recital to me. And I was like, honestly drag me so uh, <laughs> it's no, not not a recital it's not yeah. not a recital so all of my banana republic friends would come watch my recitals with all of my comedy friends and that's pretty much my friend group and it still is they don't work at banana anymore they got like one of them like works for like some big art company and another one they all have like jobs from right. like fancy schools they went to yeah. <laughs> What was your first improv team? What my first, called? my first improv team was called the Ruckus. Yeah. It was me and nine other white people, and it was named after a Wu Tang song. <laughs> and I didn't even make the suggestion. I was like, "All right, y'all, I guess we'll be this Wu Tang Clan song." Um, and they were great. They're the best people in the world. Went to uh, one of their weddings last year. We're all friends. Still have a text message chain. When uh, when I got busy, all of them text me. They're the best people. My no. favorite. If they called right now, we're like, we're doing a show. I'd figure out a way to go to Chicago and play with the Ruckus like tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Do you have uh, any pangs from the past if you walk through a Banana Republic now? Uh, any pangs? <laughs> I like, no. <laughs> you don't judge the, the, the folding of the chinos? And, oh, no. Like, and, you want to know when I do judge people when they're folding clothes is at the register. Uh, I like, sometimes I'll just ask them to give me my clothes and I'll fold them myself. Cause they'll give me like a giant bag yeah. for like four shirts and I'll be like, give me the small bag and I'll just go stand over here and do it. Yeah. Just like truly not to be an asshole. It's just like, I don't need a giant bag and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Cause <laughs> they're just throwing. Yeah. Stuff they're just like there. throwing not- stuff in there and it's like, you can get four pairs of chinos or up to eight shirts and a small bag at banana. <laughs> if you're and doing it right. You don't need the tissue. You don't need the tissue. You only need the tissue if you're traveling. Right. And it depends on what you got in your bag. If you're putting shoes on your bag, Take the tissue. Otherwise, sure. don't. Yeah. Words of wisdom. <laughs> Mad props to that retail life, baby. <laughs> I know. I worked at the Gap in New York, and I still have PTSD. Oh, it's so hard, man. Oh. I, like, really loved it. Like, I can tell you this now. I don't work there anymore. But, like, there's two things that I always did that were, like, it's funny to me. It's, like, people be like, I'm never shopping here again. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. And I'd be like, I... Don't come back, please. Please don't come back. So I just started saying, okay, anytime somebody did that. And it really saved me a lot of time. And then the other thing was my friend, we would just pretend we were um, managers. So somebody would be like, I want 20% off. And I'd be like, let me check with the manager. And we would just switch. And we would just tell them what the manager would tell them. And then Mm -hmm. we could like save so much time. So, uh, but otherwise I would, I don't want to go back. Good good tricks to trade. (laughs) It's a good chance they didn't call a manager. If you're listening now, we never called the actual manager. (laughs) What was coming out like? Um, honestly, not. So like, I didn't have to do like a big coming out. Like, Everybody kept telling me I was gay, and I was like, please calm down. Uh, (laughs) And then I, like, when I was finally, like, dating women, it wasn't in a social— Like, if I was still at home with the people I went to high school with, I think it would be, like, a big to-do. But I was, like, in Chicago with all of my, like, comedy art friends who were, like, all— pretty queer and I just be like I'm gonna go out with this girl and they'd be like okay it like wasn't like a big thing and then like my mom my parents are so funny my mom like a long time ago was like uh 
hey, if you ever want to tell me anything, you let me know. And I love you no matter what. And I was like, thanks, Nisi. Bye. Like, she saw it. Yeah. <laughs> we knew how young. Um, She told me that when I was like in college. And like, I think that she was also just like, my mother also texts me all the time. She'll just be like, I love you. I hope you're doing well. She's always been like very open with like, but that was like such a pointed like, hey, I'm going to love you no matter what. And I was like, it's a Tuesday. I already know you love me no matter what. Bye. Yeah. Uh, so like, it hasn't really been a thing, uh, which I'm like very fortunate you know, like sometimes I was like, God, man, I wish I would have struggled a little more on the outside. But I mean, I had my own internal stuff, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist and uh, mm. that's always fun when you want to be gay. Right. <laughs> What's your relationship with the church like now? Um, my relationship with the church is twofold. I think I don't think we came from nothing. I'm not an atheist. I don't think we came from nothing. I think I personally believe that the world's too beautiful to I think I'm. T- I think that the things that make people who they are are too beautiful to come from nothing, personally. But I also think that we give God too much credit for how bad things are. Mm. (laughs) I think that God, he, she, they, whomever you believe in. I mean, on a good day, I pray to Beyonce. You know what I mean? Uh, But I think that the universe gave us free will and there's enough of everything for everyone. And there's a certain group of people who use their free will to make sure other people don't have everything that they need, even though it's available. So, I mean, I'm doing my best (laughs) when I have extra, I give, um, and then um, I do love a good sunset and a rainbow. I like to think that sometimes the meteor will come just because God's upset. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty much my relationship. I think that also when I moved to Chicago, I decided to have like a personal relationship with God as opposed to like just getting up and going to church, which I think is what most people do. No matter what your religion is, your parents tell you on whatever day you go, you go to church and you don't know why. And I was like, why do I, what is this? So I like read the whole Bible and then made a whole bunch of decisions on my own. And I take from it, like a lot of people do what I want and what I need. And I don't try to tell people not to get abortions because of it. Right. <laughs> what What's your parents' relationship with the church like? Are they still active? Um, no, it's so funny. Uh, they don't go. They're also very, we haven't really talked about it because like my parents have never been like, well, the Bible says, you know, I think the same thing happened for them. They were growing up in a time where they had to go to church on Sunday and they just kept doing it. And then like, I moved away from home. My parents still live in the same town that their parents and their parents lived in. And then like in their forties, they were like, we're not going anymore. And I was like, bet I'm in Chicago. I'm in my twenties. I'm not going anymore. So like my mom would be like, I pray for you. And I'll be like, bet, but like, she don't go to church no more. Sure. <laughs> That's that not worked uncommon. out nicely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It worked out fine. I feel like we, all are on the same thing and we'll be like damn those people are bad god ain't got nothing to do with that that's just a bad person yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, people i think go out i mean out of family habit but then also when they have kids it's like well you can't not take the kids to church Church, yeah you know we we were taken to church so we'll take the kids to church church, and there's not much thought beyond it yeah and then they're gone and it's like why don't you go anymore i was like because when i asked you why we go you told me because i said so Like, I feel like that is a big thing. So, like, as soon as you move out, as soon as I move out, like, I don't, I, like, walk around naked. I'm not going to go to church. I don't have to do what you say anymore. (laughs) So, like, I think that that's a big thing. But, yeah, that's my relationship with God. We we cool. (laughs) So, the Southern Baptist teaching on LGBT people didn't really affect you in any Well, also, here's the thing. Like, in my... 
I don't know, man. Like, when I was growing up, maybe I was too young. But, like, I never got any of that man doesn't lay with the man stuff. Like, we had, like, a bunch of, like, bops. Like, the songs were good. And it was like, can you tithe? Next Sunday is, like, a potluck. Like, be good to that neighbor. And then, like, read the Psalms. Like, I never experienced That was just, like, in my personal church. Uh, like, because I... Our choir director was a flaming homosexual. So as they usually are. So Mm -hmm. like I actually, when I moved to Chicago, when I moved to the big city was the first time I ever heard a sermon like that. Oh, really? Yeah. The first time I ever heard an anti-gay sermon, like purposefully anti-gay was when I moved to Chicago. So you've gotten to Chicago, and at this point, church is still part of your sort of routine. I, so you're like, I'm going to find a place. I'm going to find a cool, hip, hill-songy fucking church. Oh, it was one of those. It was one of those. Cool. Everybody's hot. Too hot for Jesus. Yeah. All right? Everyone was so hot and so cool, and you're just sitting there, and they're singing, I like to call them sneaky Jesus songs, <laughs> where you'd be like, this is good. And they'll be like, our Savior. And I'll be like, oh, damn, this is a Jesus song. Like, yeah. singing all that sneaky Jesus. <laughs> and then, like, one day, it was just like... Uh, The pastor was talking about how, like, when he was in New York, he, like, helped this this drag queen return to his roots as a man. And I was like, I was having a good time, God. (laughs) Now I got to leave. I can't come back anymore. Mm. We were were all, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. Yeah, truly. It was just cool, hip, young. They're insidious. They're a little. Do you ever see the mosaic in in nearby the Hollywood Bowl letting out Mm-mm. services there? It's this like really cool space like near the Hollywood Bowl, and it is. It looks like Coachella. It's yeah. just like the coolest, so hippest cool. crowd of people coming out of there, and you're like. Do I belong? Nope. Yeah. Just kidding. I don't. No. And that's the thing. I, I Even I think about the Bible, right? As a writer, like as someone who is a big fan of poetry, like give me some songs, baby. Fuck it up. That, mm-hmm. That's some beautiful stuff. It's beautiful to read. You know what I mean? So like even if you're just reading it for just the art of something, a book of literature, mm-hmm. there is beautiful prose in the Bible. I think there's no one in the world who can read the Ten Commandments and wouldn't be like, nah, I'm going to kill people. Like, thou shalt not kill is not new. It's nice. I'm not going to say that, like, that's bad. But then there's other stuff in there the same way that I'll take that prose and be like, that's really beautiful and inspire me to, like, the way I des- describe something, right? They'll just use it to tell you that, like, you can't be gay and that you can't do a whole bunch of stuff. And it's like, I don't know. Just, like, read the fun shit and then, yeah. like, build a fucking arc or something. <laughs> just go. What is coming? Please, Lord. Um, if the meteor doesn't come first. Yeah. I mean, what if they hit at the same time? What if they could cancel each other out then? Oh, no. no. I put it in the universe. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you think about marriage? Yeah. I can't wait to be married. Really? I hope we can still keep it after all this shit. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'd be great at marriage. (laughs) Why? why? What's your unique? Because I think that it's like really beautiful to tell someone that you want to be with them forever. It's a commitment ceremony, truly. Like, we don't have to be married. I could just like wear a ring and tell you that we're together. But um, I don't want to get married in like a big wedding. I think that people confuse weddings and marriage all the time. Um, But I have a really good relationship with my girlfriend. We've talked about it. I am uh, very communicative. I go to therapy. Uh, We talk about our feelings all the time. 
I she had to tell me what to eat. Like I think that all the things that make a good relationship, we've discussed them. And then uh, if we decide to get married, I think we'd be good at it. We're already good at being together. It's just a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. And how's the rabbit doing? Oh man, Juniper is a a spoiled Juniper. brat. <laughs> She's a spoiled brat. She's better than me. She's like vegan, Avi. Of course. Organic berries. <laughs> and that, so have you taken on the full like like mom role? No, with that Jennifer? is not my rabbit. That's not your rabbit. <laughs> that is our rabbit that lives in our house. But like, I don't clean out the litter box. Like, Got it. I didn't buy a rabbit. <laughs> Sorry. Well, is, I, I was in Highland Park yesterday and they were doing bunny adoptions. And I was like, this is how I know I'm in a hip neighborhood because I've never seen bunny There's adoptions. There's so many before. people like bunnies Not are 24 cool. hours later. I'm talking to a bunny mom. What are you going to do? I mean, like a bunny stepmom. I don't want to take the place of her original right, mom. Right, right. You know That's what fair. I mean? But like me and Junior, you're cool. I like buy her organic blackberries. I give her pets. Like uh-huh. we have a good relationship. That's a pretty good stepmom. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. What about children? Absolutely no. Absolutely not. No. Which a is great. A strong no. A strong hard no. Uh, we always talk about, so me and my girlfriend, it's so funny because we always say that we're like two women in love who aren't lesbians. Like, I don't consider myself a lesbian. Uh, two women two women in love who aren't lesbians who don't like cats or mm-hmm. children. I like children. I don't want them. I do not like cats. Yeah. <laughs> but no. And that's one of the reasons I think we like love each other so much because like we were like, well, you might change your mind. And she was like, no. And I was like, I'm not changing my mind. I do not want any children. So like, no. What what uh, term do you use or what label do you ascribe to, if any? I mean, like fluid, if anything. If I got to put it on a piece of paper, bye. <laughs> I like to look at men, but I just don't want them to talk. Sure. <laughs> like if I found a man who just like would not talk to me, would probably marry. <laughs> you might be a gay man then. Oh my that's god, exactly what I want. that's what I want. I just <laughs> yeah. want a beautiful man that will take out the trash and just be quiet. So, god. from your <laughs> is that too much to ask? For I'm sending it to life. you, right? We pray to Beyonce. <laughs> I love it. Shantira, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. What a pleasure. 